I think Nicki Minaj is a pagan. <laughs> I think Nicki Minaj is a pagan. I think she needs to stop making music. I think she needs to get off the internet. And I think she needs to find something to do that matches with her higher self. She doesn't have a higher self, man. <laughs> everyone welcome to the black canvas podcast this is episode 36 welcome welcome okay who would like to go first how are we doing i am i'm doing okay i think i said to you guys before we started recording um i'm i'm not a sweet i haven't got a sweet tooth i'm a savory person but i had this chocolate brownie a few hours ago and the sugar crash is absolutely disgusting And I'm actually so exhausted and so tired and I've got a headache. But outside of that, I'm actually doing very well. I've had a very nice weekend and I'm actually looking forward to work next week, even though we're going to have a really busy week. So, no, I'm good. Good, good. Tiffany, well, not good that you've got a headache, but I mean... (laughs) Outside of that, I'm good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, As long as you're comfortable and... Girl, that. I'm in my bed. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, but that's just honestly, you get the. I feel like you get the best dems when he's, he's comfortable. Chilled out. Yeah, yeah. Chilled out. yeah. So you're in for a treat, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff, I'm great. I'm. I'm feeling like this year, like we said, is just good vibes, good energy, a release. I believe you had a new moon, so I'm feeling good. I am. I'm one of those people that I thrive off of, like schedule or like achieving stuff on a list so like I've sorted some things out this week and it just gives <laughs> just gives me like a shoot of endorphins in my brain so yeah I'm great lovely and I will just echo you Tiff me too I am I'm, I'm good it's um it's a Sunday evening so just, you know the eve before a long ass week I can imagine so but yeah I'm good highlight of the week before we get into this week's episode. I hope we've all thought about it this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my highlight is this weekend, actually. I've had a really good weekend. I've had a really nice adult weekend. Like, I'm literally acting my age this weekend. Like, uh, my partner and I um, went for a, a really nice long walk in Notting Hill. So, um my partner and I love going on walks, you guys know this, and I've got this um, Hidden Gems of London guide, and we've been going through the guide the last couple of years, and this time it's Notting Hill, so we've just been walking through Notting Hill and seeing all the little like hidden gems, like things, it's, it's basically a history tour, basically, but Notting Hill is like, really, really pretty, obviously we went to the market on Portobello Road, and that was really nice, had coffee just walking around the city it was really nice and then we went into town had food and then we went to one of our favorite bars in the west end had some drinks super super nice and then today we went to uh went to columbia road market um met up with a friend for a sunday roast you know i love going to the pub so i had a sunday roast with a friend and caught up with her and her husband and yeah and then we walked around columbia road into shoreditch and then came home 
and then that's when I had my <laughs> that's when I had my chocolate brownie. But it kind of felt like you know those films, those rom coms, those British rom coms from like the nineties, like Walking Around Notting Hill and Columbia Road, and just you know what I love that I love the way you guys explore and like have these dates. Like just artisan, explorative, and like, and especially finding hidden gems in London. Like, please send me the, this information to me, please. It was re- it's actually really, really cool, and it was actually a nice break from everything that's like happening in the world. Like all the things that we're talking about. Like you, like we're like talking about it in the group chat, and I was like, <laughs> "This is nice, but I'm enjoying my life." Thanks. <laughs> That was literally you. Like, they're all there popping up like, did you see? Did you see? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> I am being an adult. Yeah. <laughs> so I will speak to you on Sunday in the podcast. And that's you know, what that is. That's a touch grass moment. Like, them just touching grass. It was just. <laughs> we were exploring the internet. It was just really nice to just kind of, you know, with my mental health, sometimes I just need to center myself and recalibrate before you know, I carry on with the bullshit that is called um, life. Yeah, it was just nice to have a weekend with my partner, just chill, go out and about and, uh-huh. yeah, just act like like nothing in the world is happening. Like I said, I was doing, I was living like my peak middle-class mediocre, like, white fantasy. Like, <laughs> like honestly, you were living proper, like, adulting, I've had a long week. I'm going to go for a stroll. Like, yeah, I, I literally, I literally felt like I was in one of those like '90s uh, rom coms. <laughs> it was just so bizarre, and I was like, "Wow, this is like, this is like what rich people, rich people do. They're just like they go walk around town, and everything's fine, and they have coffee, and they buy things, and they come home, and everything's nice. And I'm like, I'd like to have this every week. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because we're about to get into some fuckery. So. Right. <laughs> Right, I got brought right down to earth when I got home this evening. Yeah, and you finally read on our, our like four hundred messages, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh God, shit! Okay, let's get into it." <laughs> what's What's the UK government done now? <laughs> Honestly, that is how I feel when I see like I've got bare messages from the group chat. I'm thinking, oh, oh my God. what's Rishi done? <laughs> right, what's Rishi done now? Honestly, it bees like that nearly every day now. Yeah, there's always oh. something. Always, like we're laughing about it, but honestly, that's the only way sometimes to cope. Because <laughs> just honestly, it's always something. Oh. But oh, but yeah, no, but that was lovely, Dems. I actually really love that for you because it Thank is nice you. to be able to have those moments. You like yeah. you deserve those moments. So that was yeah. nice. Tiffany, highlights? Um, yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't really think about a highlight this week. <laughs> okay, well, D but- D minus for you. But you know what I mean? But um, I did, you know, get some new clients this week week and some crochet commissions. So I guess that's always good news. Do you know what I mean? That's a highlight. Do you know what I mean? My little clientele is growing. And I have to say, I'm proud of it because this year is the year that I'm being intentional with my crochet content and, do you know what I mean, business marketing and stuff. So before it was more organic, just people that know do you know what I mean that my talents or whatever and can see it in my stories that would share the word kind of thing rather than it being um a page that has like following so I'm trying to work towards that and it's just been nice that people still rock with it do you know what I mean because as a consumer you want to be able to go to a page and see examples and do you know what I mean and see I have a vision for everything and how I want it the experience for my consumers um to have and stuff so yeah we're moving forward to that so that can be a highlight i guess so can i have my star thank you 
Okay, well, you had to think about it. I want you to come prepared, but no, that's fine. I love on the fact that you've gotten a whole bunch of new clients. So that is like well, not a whole bunch, but just you know, like for you. Well, yeah, more than one is a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> so that's but that's amazing that that's like a highlight of the month because that's amazing. Like your work, it's so intricate and it takes so much time, and it's you can't get that with fast fashion. Like you just can't. So. Yeah, more grease to your elbow. I, I'm going to commission something from you. I'm, I'm coming well, with you. Well, guys, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you noticing and stuff because, yeah, it's my baby. But, mm-hmm. yeah, slow fashion, it takes work. And so every opportunity, I'm crocheting a piece or crocheting mm-hmm. a sample or something for my collection. So, <sighs> exhale. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, God. Sorry, guys. It's oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wow, tops is wow. Okay, let me shut up then. No, no, no. I'm so sorry. Supposed to be on mute. (laughs) No, it's right, guys. Like we really we talk a lot, so yeah. Yeah, it's just oh, it's just Sundays. But you know, fine. Let's just get into my my highlight. My highlight of the week is um is my swimming, guys. Oh Um, yes, tell us, tell us, download the whole story. I had my first uh lesson in my new class. In my so I'm I've like gone up a class, and as I said last week, and yeah, I went into the deep end, and when I tell you I was shaking like a leaf, like I was shaking, but I managed to do it. I I held on to the side, but I was I was there, um, and I managed to tread on water for like all of ten seconds, which felt like an hour, but yeah, it was it's a highlight because I'm gonna always go on about this, but this is just so out of my comfort zone. And the satisfaction that I feel every week, because I'm like, oh, do I want to go? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then I get there and then the adrenaline comes in and I just feel all excited. I'm meeting new people. I'm pushing myself in ways that I just, just don't really. I just, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a, you know, I'm a control freak, all of that stuff. So yeah, that's just a massive, massive highlight. And long may it continue. That's amazing. And can I just say like, you've inspired me to like look into getting swimming lessons as well because I can swim I haven't swum in like years and I think um in order to get more confident in it I might do some swimming lessons as well so and my my local like swimming pool is literally like 10 minutes down the road so I literally have no excuse so um yeah you've really inspired me to kind of like do more in terms of swimming I'm, I love that. And yeah, I, you absolutely should. It is. And also, like you said, it's, it's also just not about me facing my fears and stuff, but you know, it's a, a form of fitness as well. Mm. So it just ticks so many different boxes. So yeah, we're off to a great start. Right. Great start. Okay. So thanks for that. So that concludes um, the happy parts <laughs> of this episode. Oh Lord. So I guess following on from last week. So last week's episode was a, was centered mostly around giving you updates on various topics that we had touched on weeks before and one of the biggest stories that we've been following over the last couple of weeks obviously is Palestine and what's been happening um, over in Gaza and a couple of weeks ago we spoke about South Africa taking Israel to the International Court of Justice and that was a couple of weeks ago and just recently in the last few days the ICJ um, came back with its ruling so they delivered its provisional measures 
against Israel in the genocide case. So South Africa, so just again a quick recap: South Africa took Israel to the ICJ um, on allegations of genocide. So we've been waiting for this update for a while, and I know I may not be the only one. Many of us are thinking, "Raw, like how long does it take?" You know, because every day that the judges are deliberating over the evidence that South Africa have presented, Israel haven't stopped bombing. People are still dying every single day. So every minute, every second, every day counts. So the ICJ came back with their um, provisional measures and we're just going to go through the most important bits that you need to know around what they said because... I do want to start by saying that there is a lot of misinformation out there. Like just looking on the timeline and looking on the internet and then looking at, you know, what the Israelis are saying, like they're, you know, official spokespeople. Um, And then you've even got people in the UK and the US government. They are peddling a lot of half truths. So it's not necessarily a lie, but it's all part of the propaganda machine that, you know, you kind of sort of tell a half truth mix it in with a little bit of truth, a little bit of a lie, and it's and then, and then they just, they push that out. So it's really important that we are going to the source. Um, so whether that's actually watching the ICJ proceedings or getting a summary of the ICJ proceedings from a reputable news source, right? The timeline can be a lot of things, but let's not be getting all of our information from there. So, did either of you manage to watch it? I know, I know you did, Dems. Yeah, I managed to watch maybe like um, half an hour. I think mm-hmm. I, I got to. I think I watched like five minutes before she actually said the things that we were all trying to like. Because the preamble was. Yeah, because she went on for forty days and forty nights about <laughs> processes and procedures and mm. everything that they were doing, and we were like, "Girl, yeah, we were there. Like, get to the point." And then, when, and then she ba- she basically said like Israel like is guilty of you know breaking a lot of these genocide these international genocide laws and basically they need to start um, like not killing people basically basically they, they worded it they didn't say ceasefire now mm-hmm. but they worded it to say yes. Israel is unlawfully killing people in Palestine and they need to stop killing in Palestine. Right. Yeah. That's basically said. They basically no, you're right. Yeah, they basically said Israel is killing a lot of people, which is breaking the genocide a lot a lot because she didn't say all or the genocide laws. She said Israel is killing people, killing a lot of people, and they're breaking a lot of these international genocide laws. So they need to stop killing people, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they said, get your papers in order, Israel and South Africa, and come back in a month. Right. And yeah. that's that's what really, really baked my noodle. That's what really pissed me off. Not because baked my like... noodle. That's a new one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's my grandmother's that's my grandmother saying. I'm gonna have to use that. Baked my noodle. Okay. Sorry, I did not mean to cut you there. I just <laughs> When she to... said that, like you knew the jig was up. Because <laughs> she didn't like to swear. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what really that's what really really annoyed me I was like come back in a month and like you said before at the top of this episode like people are still dying yep every day it's like what do you mean come back in a month yeah like I get I I get it 
we're doing um we're doing due diligence there's a process but bureaucracy doesn't doesn't care about life we can't be doing all this bureaucracy bureaucracy that's why i tweeted and i said you did all the semantic gymnastics to say that israel has broken international laws but you haven't said ceasefire now like mm-hmm. you may be like an international court but you're not a court of justice yes you said that israel are killing people in a roundabout way but people in palestine are still dying and someone somewhere needs to have the balls and say look ceasefire now do you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i think you mentioned this before tops like history like isn't like made in the here and now like rome wasn't built in a day like this is technically a right a, a step in the right direction but at the same time it's like oh, people are dying and like you said before because people don't have this appetite for politics and legalese and all of the stuff like that so they're taking taking truths and adding lies into it and bending the truth so between this month that people are going back to get their papers in order which is also kind of sus as well because we all know what happens with big big government when it comes to getting papers in order and burning papers do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah. we know we know how government is but it's like it's just frustrating but at the same time i understand why we're going through this bureaucratic process mm-hmm. yes you are you are right and i mean before the icj actually reached like a final final verdict on whether even though we know a genocide is going on mm. in terms of like the court declaring that it that it being that that could take a number of years yeah um so we are really right at the beginning of this like the very very beginning and so what I do want to say um, before we get into like the nitty nitty gritty of some of the things that were said is to first of all, just explain what the genocide convention is, because I think that um, it's really important to know like why we actually have a genocide convention. Absolutely, mm. It's important to know why. And, and that's been a, 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 a reoccurring theme for us on this podcast is that we always want to know why, right? Context is so important. Because before you're going to understand why things are happening now, we need to look back. So the Genocide Convention is, so it's the 1948 Genocide Convention. And it was basically a set of rules that were put together in the wake of the mass murder. So in the, so basically in the wake of the Holocaust. So it defines genocide as acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, racial, ethnic or religious group acts of genocide include killing members of the group causing serious bodily harm or mental harm to members of the group and deliberately inflicting conditions of life calculated to bring about the destruction of the group in whole or in part hmm that sort of does that ring a bell i just find it so ironic and we said this before it's so ironic that the origin of this law is rooted in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And we are sitting here talking about court proceedings where an, the Israeli state, which is predominantly Jewish, well, but it is a Jewish state, mm-hmm. are perpetrating the same thing that 
this genocide law was born from. Yeah, that's why it's so important to say what we're dealing with. I find it's it's not even ironic. I, I, I personally find it funny. I find it absolutely ridiculously hilarious that mm-hmm. this is this is where the world has come to. This is the crossroads in history that the world has come to. And I can't even find it ironic anymore. Like, this is like a satire skit. I, I completely agree with you. The Genocide Convention was brought about because of the Holocaust, because it was the, the, the feeling was never again. And never again is meant for everyone, not just for Jewish people, not just for, you know, a set of people. It's, it's meant to be for everyone. So now the descendants of that of that Holocaust, it doesn't give you the right or the justification to commit another one. And many, many people have said that. So, so now that we have that in mind, so just trying to give some of the like legally speech of what was said. So... South Africa won most of their arguments. And then it's really important to understand which ones they did. So they won. um, So the ICJ ruled that it had jurisdiction over the case. So that's basically them saying, yeah, we we go here. Yeah, we're allowed to talk to talk about this. We're allowed to look into this. We have jurisdiction. They also ruled that the allegations against Israel are plausible. Right. So and the reason why they said plausible is because plausibility is a legal standard. So because we're all up in the court here, there are certain thresholds and certain standards that you have to meet in order for them to be able to issue any provisional measures. Um, So they didn't say that the allegations of genocide are true, but they said that they are plausible, right? So again, we all went to school Meaning they have an argument here that they can explore. Yeah. And if we want to go one further, they're basically saying, yeah, yeah, you guys are doing genocide. I'm so sorry, but in that's a Western, in a Western reserved way, you know, yeah, in a Western colonial way, that's basically what they're saying. Um, and then the key point here is that they rejected Israel's argument that they are baseless, right? So I've seen a couple of videos on the timeline where you've got the US spokesperson and a few people from government saying, or the Israel side basically celebrating, saying that. South, that the ICJ threw out the case and that it was baseless. No, again, that's all propaganda. The ICJ said that they threw out that argument, right? That was one of Israel's main arguments that it was baseless. The ICJ threw that out. And then the ICJ issued some measures against Israel. So before we get into that, we'll also mention that the ICJ did ignore South Africa's request to explicitly order Israel to stop its attacks. So what were the measures against Israel? There were six main orders that the courts have issued. The court ignored South Africa's request to order a ceasefire. Again, we'll get into the word ceasefire because that has been an area of contention for a lot of people, that the word ceasefire wasn't specifically used. But there were six main orders. The first one was that Israel shall take all possible measures to prevent the commission of genocidal acts against Palestinians. And then in terms of the judges that voted for that, it was 15 to 2. The second order, Israel will ensure that its military doesn't commit any genocidal acts. Again, that was 15 to 2. There were 17 judges in total, so 15 voted in favour of that, 2 didn't. Third one, Israel will prevent and punish Israelis for incitement to commit genocide against Palestinians. That was 16 to 1. 
The fourth, Israel will ensure the provision of urgently needed basic services and humanitarian aid to Palestinians in Gaza. That was 16 to 1. There was one judge who didn't think that basic services and humanitarian aid was necessary. Then the fifth one, Israel will ensure... (laughs) Honestly, this world we're living in. The fifth one, Israel will ensure the preservation of evidence related to South Africa's allegations against it was 15 to 2. Finally, Israel will submit a report, and this is what Dems mentioned earlier, will submit a report to the court in one month showing its compliance with all of these orders. That was 15 to 2. So as we can see that the judges almost unanimously accepted most of South Africa's arguments. And we know that the two judges that didn't is a Ugandan judge who has now been disowned by Uganda. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, um, some white man, I think he's an Israeli. Is he? No, 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 he's not. Don't quote me on that. So there was a lot of like contention around the fact that they didn't use the word ceasefire. But you know what? I actually saw a really uh, interesting tweet um, about that because there were so many like tweets for, against, unhappy, not happy, whatever, about what was said. But somebody said, he tweeted, he's a guy named Ali, and he said, a ceasefire is what you demand in an armed conflict. In a genocide, you demand an immediate end to all genocidal acts, and that is exactly what the ICJ ordered with immediate effect. Please stop helping Israel spin its historic defeat as a win. Equally important to remember that the ICJ ruling is not about what Israel will do. Israel will ignore any ruling. This is about forcing the rest of the world to take seriously their obligations to stop an entity now officially accused of genocide by the world's highest court. I 100% agree with that. What do you both think? I agree with that. But I also think that people are people. And if I got sent to court and I did a heinous crime and then the judge sentenced me to 20 years in prison, the judge will have no problem in sentencing me and then giving his personal feelings about what I did and why and how he didn't like it. So all I want is the judges to just be clear in layman's terms what Israel have done, why they don't like it and what they should do. And everyone is saying ceasefire now. So just say ceasefire now. I I totally agree with what Ali said, but I want the judges to say ceasefire now. And and let's not leave things up to... Sorry, Dems. Let's not leave things up for interpretation. Exactly, exactly. Because the judges could explain exactly what Ali said, but also say ceasefire now as well. It's like, we're all fighting this campaign against genocide and against the Israeli settler colonizer state. And we're all using a set frame of language. And I get, I totally understand that there's something there. There are things deeper than that. You've got the legalese, you've got the the legal processes and jargon and procedure, and also the political processes, what Ali is talking about. But also, there are just people that just want the fighting to stop. They want the killing to stop and they want a ceasefire now. And this is the language that we've been using to just get Mm -hmm. through this... um, this campaign, this fight on the day-to-day. And I just think it would have been a way for the ICJ to really um, just reflect basic humanity. I get you're a court, but you're a court full of fucking human beings. So you can have the decency to speak like us, speak like a human being. 
Mm. And that's and that is why I felt some type of way about the whole semantic gymnastics. Just speak like a fucking human being. Mm. Why why do you think they didn't just use the word ceasefire? Because they're a court, because they're all about law and legal jargon and legality. And like, oh my god, like God bless Tope and that legal degree. Because when you said plausible and explained why they use plausible, it makes total sense. But to someone that doesn't um, that doesn't practice law or done a law degree or read contracts every day, like to me, plausible sounds flimsy. But mm. when you put it in the context of law and of a contract, plausible is has a totally different context. So I'm very happy that you explain that because this whole process is complex and it needs these complex words that have different meanings in a legal context in a political context so I'm very glad that you explained that because it just makes this whole ICJ process a lot more not tolerable and manageable but I'm learning that this is just like when I'm talking about politics like I understand the the language of politics but now it I'm learning that the language of law and politics are totally different and are working side by side Mm -hmm. so uh, there is there are levels to this and I think this is a good education process for all of us absolutely I mean even me to meet the me as well I I think that and, and that's the problem as well with this in the sense that when you're now repackaging this to lay people that's why it's very easy for whether it's the Israeli government or whether it's just um, like Zionists or whatever to kind of spin it and say that it's one thing when actually it doesn't actually mean that. So so that's why they, I guess there's a lot of uproar around not using the specific term ceasefire because now the US can say, well, the ruling is now consistent with our view that Israel has a right to defend itself because they didn't call for a ceasefire. You see how they do that? When actually, when you read the order, and this is a direct quote from South Africa's uh, foreign minister, she said, I believe that in exercising the order, there would have to be a ceasefire. Without it, the order doesn't actually work. How do you provide aid and water without a ceasefire? If you read the order, by implication, a ceasefire must happen. So yeah, it, it is a lot of legal jargon to get round to the very fact that they are actually calling for a ceasefire. But that's only if you take the time to read the order, slice it, dice it, all that kind of stuff. When at, And you realise that by implication, that's what they're calling for. But because a lot of people don't take the time or don't have the time or don't have the patience or whatever to, you know, to read it or to have it explained or, or whatever, they'll just see the lack of the word ceasefire and be like, well, and then the US, the UK, all of these other governments, Zionists, whatever, will just run with that. Well, you know, they didn't call for a ceasefire. So they must mean that they agree that we have a right to defend ourselves when we all know that Israel are an occupying nation. They're an occupying force. Therefore, the right to defend itself does not exist. Well, that's the thing with them not explicitly saying ceasefire. Like them just saying that's the language that we've been using and it means a complete end to the bombardment and occupation um, of the land, right? So when you when they list all these things that imply this and imply that, and it's all great for history and legalese and all of that, but for the actual people that are actively going through this on a 
day-to-day basis, every second, it needs to be a radical response from the International Court of Inverted Commas Justice. That's my frustration. It's mm-hmm. There's a direct impact for what was said that day, and I think we're all kind of holding on to our seat with hope or do you know what I mean with, no I hear you with, I mean I, I feel like we all felt we were on trial <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. I think what the problem is they're very good these these westerners they're very good at giving and taking away at the same time so I feel like with this ruling it's like you've given us some acknowledgement of like you can see what's going on because come on we've all been watching our phones since October 7th so every judge knows what's going on they don't need to be told right but mm-hmm. you acknowledge that South Africa presented facts or, or, or um, at least acknowledge that they have a case but then at the same time you're kind of it's like unsaid with the language you're kind of saying well Israel just kind of like yeah look they've brought this to us now so if we're not going to like stepping your foot too much do you know what I mean and then again with the whole month to prove you want them to document ways in which they are complying within a month. And then the day after we hear about um, um, mandatory aids being taken away from. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, we're so going like, yeah, to get, we're gonna get yeah, into that. We're going to get into that. But that's my f- frustration. I think that's why I got a bit heated before I acknowledged that there is a step in the right direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I, I think I completely understand. I think there was the, you know, the legal part of my mind that was like, wow, yes, this is a historic win. Like, you know, I'm like, wow, this is, this is the first time that, you know, the international court has actually acknowledged that there is, because we've all known this, not just since October 7th, but those of us that have been following this for, whether it's a number of years or whatever, because again, this didn't start in October. This has been going on for a lifetime. This is like the first time that there is some kind of international recognition or at least somebody holding Israel to account. So from that standpoint and from a legal standpoint, we're like, okay, wow, this is looking like it's moving in the right direction. And then, yeah, I totally see the point around the specific words used. So we are going to get into what some of the fallout has been, but outside of all of that, the case still is no matter what the propaganda machine wants to say, it is still a historic blow to Israel. Not just Israel, but to the US and to the UK, because you have a near, you, um, nearly all of the judges had rejected every single Israeli point, right? And the fact that you had nations like the UK, the US, Germany, who all rejected um, South Africa's allegations as baseless, um, what we're seeing now is that a lot of experts are saying that it will now pressure other states due to their legal obligation to do whatever possible to end the genocide, right? You would think that that's what would happen. But as Tiffany now has just mentioned, the next day after the ICJ ruling, we had a few Western nations pull aid from the UN, right? So I'm kind of getting my head of myself, but before we get into that, I just want to quickly say what happens now. So now that the ruling has done, so the ruling is final and binding. Its enforcement depends on the international community. They now have a month to basically do all of what the court has said, and then we'll come back in a month and we'll see. But as we have seen, Israel has been blowing up buildings in Gaza. They've been destroying historical sites and all sorts. So the order for them to preserve evidence, I mean, okay, 
we will see what happens there. Now, next day. So for the last couple of months, so since all of this happened, Israel have been claiming that members of the UN are part of Hamas. That's not anything new. They have been condemning anyone who criticizes them. They've basically said that they are Hamas. So the day after the ICJ ruling, Australia, Germany, the UK, the US, they all suspended support to the UNRWA. So they are the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian refugees in the Near East. And they have suspended funding to them amidst allegations that some of its employees were involved in the October 7th attacks. <sighs> I mean... At this point, Hamas is the new anti-Semitism word. <laughs> so this this group is a UN a UN group. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to say that the United Nations is Hamas. Basically. I mean, I don't really know how else to, 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 to slice it. Yeah. The United Nations... The same organization that the UK and the US are part of. Yeah, they are essentially like a, a branch um, of the UN. Branch of the UN. Yeah, they're an agency of the. Yeah, but when you when you get down to the nitty gritty, yeah. Like ev- everyone is now Hamas. Mm-hmm. My artisan baker is is Hamas. My yes. barber is Hamas. Yes. Beyonce's internet is Hamas. Everyone is Hamas, basically. <laughs> That's remember. That's where and and do you, do you know what the 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 really like scary? Do you know what the scary thing about this is? Is that um, Israel c- claiming that members of the UN or you know this agency or whatever are part of Hamas? They've been saying that for a while, right? This these allegations aren't new, so it's very convenient that the day after the ICJ mm. say that there is plausible cause, yeah. That this isn't going away, Israel. Yeah, that's just what they said. We're not throwing this out. We can see enough evidence to tell us that there is plausible, there's plausible here that you are committing genocide and you need to make sure that aid is getting into Gaza. All of these colonial West um, superpowers draw withdraw support. Is that not a war crime? Because that is collective punishment. Because even if we even if we believe this baseless and unfounded claim that some members of a 30,000 strong group, yeah, because these are there are thousands of people working in this agency, even mm. if you were to agree that a handful of them were involved with Hamas, does that now mean that millions of people have to starve? That's collective punishment. Mm. And and if we go, if we are to run with the with the UK's stance on this, every other day we hear of somebody in the Met Police who's a rapist, who's a sexual predator, who's a racist, who's a homophobe. Should we defund the police? Oh, no, you can't defund the police because <laughs> who, who do we get to protect us? <laughs> like, because this is this is actually insane. And I, and I think that, like, we really need to really deep what's happening here, yeah? The highest court on earth has placed Israel on trial for a possible genocide, right? This is the highest court on earth. And in one of their one of their orders, they said that they need to make sure that aid gets into the country. And then the next day, the UK cuts funds. Oh yeah, they did, didn't they? They mm-hmm. did say that that we have to make sure that aid gets to people yep. in Gaza and the West Bank. And yep. the way that they do that is to stop killing 
people in Palestine <laughs> to yep. guarantee that people get aid. Oh my God, yes. Yep. So this is based on allegations that are on 0.04 of its staff. Yeah, you got a 30,000 strong group that are working to make sure that these people that are have been displaced, that have lost everything, some of them some of them have lost their parents, some of them have lost their limbs, some of them need urgent medical care because of 0.04 of them have been accused by crimes we don't actually know by the way. We don't actually know what these crimes are. So that means if you cut funding on those grounds, then surely you have to cut funding for every other agency on the planet. Right? Why are we not writing? Yeah. When when it was found out that Lucy Letby was doing what she was doing, should we cut funding to the to the NHS? Right. Like that's me going again. If we're gonna go along with this with this farce that okay, the UN is Hamas, what do, what does that what does that have to do with getting aid to people that need it? If you're going to be mad, let's all be mad together. Let's cut yeah. funding from everything. Right. Because what they're doing, what the UK is doing is this is collective punishment. The mm. UK, the US, Germany, Australia, Canada, all of these places, this is prohibited under the Geneva Convention. We just mentioned the Geneva Convention at the beginning of this episode, so we all knew what we're talking about here. What they're doing is prohibited under that convention. <sighs> wow. Honestly, I... I just I just think everything things are just going to get worse politically before it gets any better and I also believe like we're we're kind of in this era of the end of capitalism and absolutely yeah and this everything is everything is linking like this whole thing with Israel and Europe and the US siding with Israel and when we all fully know that the west or the global north is corrupt and this is why they are in cahoots with the Israeli settler colonizer state. And they can't get their hands out of their pockets because their po- their hands are in their pockets too deep. And the end of capitalism, capitalism is coming and things politically, nationally and locally are crumbling. But like I said before, like Birmingham, one of the biggest, one of the biggest cities in the UK, their local council is bankrupt. Like local councils are, are going through bankruptcies and national government is actually blaming local councils when a lot of the funding that goes to councils are from the government. But the government are cutting lines on the spreadsheet, basically, that go to, you know, on the grounds resources, whether it be uh, libraries or the NHS or youth centres, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Like everything, everything around us is slowly crumbling and shifting and i just think this is a big part of it and it just gets to the point where something ridiculous as the uk government cutting off funds to the branch of a un organization because they quote unquote think that some of them are hamas it's just the theories just get even more ridiculous to the point where you're just like Mm -hmm. okay so so what next I think it's, I think, like, I feel like the, all of these, like, Western powers, I feel like they are having a tantrum. Yeah, because they they know it's coming to an end. They know that people are starting to wake up to the fact that corruption isn't just in the global south. The corruption that is in the global south literally is born from the global north, and the global north is even more corrupt 
than the global south because they are di- they are intrinsically linked it's symbiosis it's one thing giving birth to another and a lot of people are just waking up to that fact and a lot of people are using the internet to communicate about things that are happening on the ground when media is saying one thing like look at us now look most of us who have common sense aren't looking at the guardian as kind of like the bastion of journalism anymore we're looking towards platforms like al jazeera to find out the truth about things or even just another perspective so we can get a holistic view of news and what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and i think the global north the west whatever you want to call it there's a shift happening and people are realizing it and people aren't afraid anymore to question it and we're not afraid to have these conversations and you even see it now within like within black spaces and black creative spaces yet yeah, there's there's like there's like a shift happening and there's more of an awakening happening more than like in 2016 when black lives matter started to come into into fruition globally we are starting to learn and we are starting to question things we're starting to question capitalism we're starting to question why should i work through my lunch hour why should i start work early why am i working late i'm not getting compensated for it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like tiny things in our day-to-day lives we're starting to question we're starting to question politics local government national government i think we're coming to a crossroads where things are going to shift and for some people it's going to have to get even worse for them to wake up and i think this what we're seeing now with the uk government kind of like throwing their toys out of the pram it's like it's exactly what happens when people in power know that the people below them are starting to wake up and shake the table a bit so Mm -hmm. they are trying to shake the table even more and my point of view is it's like if you're if you're going to go low i'm not going to do no michelle obama and go high if you want to go low i'm going to point you to the basement and let's go let's all be mad together on this floor let's all go down I'm, I completely agree with you because what, what we are seeing here is powers that are like nations that are used to moving without any accountability, doing whatever the hell they like. And because the US and the UK have effectively been seen as plausible, <laughs> is that word again, plausible accessories to genocide, they're throwing their toys out of the pram. Because if Israel are being seen as being potentially guilty of committing a genocide and you have all of these powerful nations supporting them saying they have a right to defend themselves that makes you an accessory that makes you complicit so i think when when i saw the news that they had cut funding or they were pausing funding it genuinely made me sick it really made me sick to my stomach and you know when you think there's not much else that could shock me but that actually did and we heard, we heard a statement from the UNRWA. They said that they had actually fired several employees and that it had opened an investigation into the allegations, right? But as of yet, um, so this is not a direct quote anymore, but this is me saying that as of yet, we don't actually have any concrete evidence of any of Israel's allegations. So all of this is just on the word of Israel who are trying to deflect away from what's happening and something that I will say before we move on because we did mention you know all of the the areas that the courts agreed with South Africa or um 
sorry, not agreed, but where they um, they supported, where South Africa won most arguments. But I do think it's important to mention the bits where the court, um, like how the court framed the case, because mm-hmm. we know that South Africa framed it around, they didn't, they didn't start on October 7th. So do you remember when we were speaking before how South Africa opened from the Nakba? Yeah. And they, they, you know, they set the scene. It wasn't that, oh, this terrible thing happened October 7th and these, you know, these terrorists just decided to just, no. They were like, this needs to be told in full, right? In the proper context, right? The court didn't see it that way, right? The court framed the case as starting on October 7th. So as much as they... So as much as they heard a lot of South Africa's points, they did dismiss the way that they contextualized the occupation and the siege. They also called for Hamas to unconditionally release all the Israeli hostages. Um, and the reason why it's interesting um, is because they're sort of presenting it as if it's like objective and like an undisputed fact, whereas actually um, it doesn't actually have any legal relevance but that that's not what we're talking about here, right? Of course, personally, yeah, I don't believe, I, you know, hostages should be released. These are innocent people, yes. But we're talking about in a court of law, right? That has nothing to do with the fact that Israel committed a genocide, right? Um, they also didn't mention anything about the thousands of Palestinians that Israel still have in captivity. So the fact that they're mentioning Hamas, we mentioned this at the last episode, that Hamas is not party to any of these proceedings, yeah? Because they're not a state, so the issue of the hostages, um, like that's beyond like the court. Do you get what I'm saying? Like Hamas yeah. isn't a state. So we need to stick. So what, what I'm saying here is that they need to stick to the facts. But the court still felt like they had to add, somehow weave in the Israeli narrative as if it's facts. So as much as we can be... I guess, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. But I think it's also important to take notice of what they didn't say. And this is why they didn't say ceasefire now. Mm-hmm. And this is why they leaned on legalese, legal jargon, to say one thing, but to sit on the fence. Mm-hmm. Basically what I was You get saying, what yeah. I mean? Because yeah. no one wants to 100% say Israel is wrong. Because they don't let's upset be, the big bullies, do they? Exactly. Because let's be honest, all of those judges, yeah, come from countries that basically said, okay, Israel, this can be your state. This can be your plot of land where you can build homes and uh, take homes from uh, Palestinians and call it your own and then tell people to come over from, with, come over and make homes from stolen land. All of those judges come from countries that allowed this to happen. So again, just like I said, the global north, they have their hands too deep in their pockets that they can't take them out because they know that when they take their hands out of their pockets, blood is on their hands and they don't want to admit that. They can't admit that. So as much as, like you said, it's in the step in the right direction, legally, like plausible, like plausibility, what... What do you mean plausibility? Just tell me what the fuck it means. Mm -hmm. Tell me what this means. You've given me all of this evidence. Okay, so what does this mean? 
And this is why we all got frustrated when that girl was talking, talking, talking for 20 minutes. And it's like, bitch, we just want to know what you've got to say. Get to the point. And then when she said it, I was like, okay, so what does that mean? And then I had to go to Al Jazeera, who were doing the live summary of what this all means. And then that's why I was like, okay, so you did semantic gymnastics to agree with South Africa, but then to not. And this is why I'm frustrated, because we're just going to go through back and forth, back and forth, arguing points, arguing points, and we're not going to get... We're not going to get to a solution because the biggest court in the world can't even stand on business. Mm -hmm. The biggest court in the world can't even be on job. And this is why we are in the position that we are in, where countries are just fighting with each other. This is why war is the biggest game that the human race can ever play, because it's the biggest game that we can win. And it's the biggest game that we can play to get power. When the biggest court in the world can't do their job, then the next thing is war and trying trying to maintain peace through the threat of death, the threat of killing people. And it's just mm-hmm. like, if someone could just like stand on job and be on code, then we wouldn't be doing this. We would not be doing this. But again, this is all about, like you said before, plenty times on this platform, it's all about systems and power and maintaining power but Mm -hmm. trust the more that these courts don't just say what the thing is i wouldn't be surprised if the uk got attacked just like how we got um attacked in the early 2000s on the trains Mm. like i wouldn't be surprised and i'm not condoning that behavior i'm not condoning violence at all but if no one's gonna say the real tea then violence is just going to continue to happen. Well, of course. It's just like Hamas. I don't condemn Hamas whatsoever. But Hamas started from the children of people that were murdered and slaughtered by the Israeli state. Of course, they're going to be very, very, very angry and come with the same moves that you came to kill their families. I'm not saying, I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning it whatsoever. Like, what happened on October 7th was absolutely horrible. But at the same time, it happened for a reason. It didn't just happen out of thin air. Like, demons from under the earth came and killed people and kidnapped people. Things happen for a reason. And this is why we rely on institutions like the International Court of Justice to be on job. Just say what the thing is. Fine, do your legalese, do your... Do your talking and your plausibility, whatever. Do what you've got to do to, like, do your bureaucracy. But at the end of the day, just say what you need to say. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're just always going to be in this cycle of just bullshit and debate. Yeah, we are. We are. But, but that's, why we, that's why I've said that we know that no court, no amount of lit- litigation is ever going to free Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um is the, uh, like do you know what i mean like protesting and political movements like that is what can eventually free palestine we saw that in south africa um so and 
there's a, something that I read where the ruling isn't powerful because we necessarily cared about the opinions of foreign judges or we necessarily believe that the freedom will come through the through the ICJ is powerful because it can be used alongside other tools mm-hmm. because it's about it's about the mainstream discourse and not only that it's also about the pressure that it puts on Israel's allies so it's it, it's it's a tool of of many we we're, ne- we're never going to litigate our way out of, to, to freedom. That's never going to happen because even in the legal world, even in the ICJ, we still see them playing politics, right? Politics and power. That's just what is going on here because the two judges that decided to vote against very reasonable orders um, have their own political interests. It's not about the evidence that you're seeing in front of you. It's about the the bigger picture. Where do you sit politically? Not, oh, well, actually, what we are seeing here is over 20,000 dead. We can all see it for what it is. Like, I don't need to go to law school. No, none of us need to go to law school, right, to be able to determine if we're seeing what we're seeing is genocide. And now the ICJ are going to take a number of years to come to a conclusion that we have all known for years. So... That we don't need to place so much value in the court because they're only telling us what we've already known. So I think it's really important for those of us that are invested in this to make sure that we're thinking about it, the whole picture, right? So it's thinking about, okay, what can we do? So we're looking at the ICJ and we're like, okay, it's a step in the right direction. However, they didn't say this, they didn't say that. That's fine. We know that that is one tool what are the other things that we can do? We can keep protesting. We have another national march coming up on the 3rd of February. We can keep doing that. We don't stop. We keep going. Keep sharing on socials. Social media is so powerful. Do not let anyone tell you what is the point of sharing on my stories. No, that is the one thing from the very beginning of all of this that the Palestinian people have asked us to do. So even if you can't leave your house to protest in the street, you've got social media, post on your stories. You only got 10 followers, it doesn't matter. Post on your stories, email your MP. Have you already emailed them? Email them again. Keep talking to people, to your friends, right? To your family, like challenge misinformation. If you feel comfortable to challenge it, keep up the pressure because as much as we may not be totally happy with what the ICJ orders were, what they said, but the reason why South Africa has such a strong case is because of journalists on the ground, the Palestinian people documenting this because of social media, all of it played a part. The protesting has put pressure on international governments. So everything plays a part in this. It's not just the political process. It's not just the legal process. So yeah, let's keep up the pressure. Let's keep going. If you're in the UK, there is a national march on the 3rd of Feb and we'll have all the information um, of that march at the very, very end of this episode. Alrighty, before we're going to drastically shift gears before we finish, um, <laughs> we round up today's episode. Sorry, the way um, you drastically, I was like, yeah. No, no, because we are drastically shifting <laughs> gears, but we cannot go without touching on this. So I was, I just want to put this disclaimer out there that I've never been a Barb, ever. (laughs) But I did love me some Nicki Minaj. Yeah, I, 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 like, I've never stand for anyone, but I have, you know, really liked some people. (laughs) And Nicki Minaj was one of them. I absolutely loved her. That Pink Friday album, 
honestly, when I tell you, I know the album back to front, cover to cover, word to word. I know everything. And for some reason, in the last couple of years, I would say since about 2017, she's just gone insane. Or maybe she's always been this way. I don't know. Yeah, she's always been that way. It's just the more we've got to know her, the more it's spilled out. So what we wanted to touch on is that in the last couple of days, um, Megan Thee Stallion um, released her single, Hiss, um, where she alluded to a few things in the song. And one of those things has definitely upset Miss Minaj. And she has gone on a complete psychotic break on social media. And I don't want to get too much into the nitty gritty about exactly what she said, but I do want to just highlight how sad I think it is that Nikki has never really felt comfortable existing in a space with others. Like, don't get me wrong. She's very talented. Like I just said, I I love the Pink Friday album. Um, I really enjoyed her music. I really enjoyed that she was, you know, new for a breath of fresh air. Um, so I'm not discrediting or taking away from her talent in any way. But I do think it's very easy to be the queen of rap when you don't have anyone else to compete with. And I think for the longest time, Nikki was all there was. She was number one amongst no one. She was the queen of rap and there was no one really challenging her for a, for a good number of years, right? And then quite recently, you've got a number of young women coming and wanting to share that space and Nikki doesn't feel like she wants to share. Like, do you think, like, is that an accurate view of what's been going on or do you have a different um, opinion? I think I've seen that um, floating about a lot and I watched her recent interview with um joe budden where she was talking about people um saying that she was only relevant because she was the only female rapper out at the time and then she's like listing off her accolades and all that stuff i just personally feel like she she's that type of woman that doesn't want to champion other women and if she is championing championing other women they have to be beneath her so it's even it's really insidious the way she moves from what i can see obviously guys i don't know her personally <laughs> but for what i can see really you don't <laughs> but no but from what i can see you know like online from the little stuff that i've engaged with because like yourself i when i was young i met her when i was 17 when she was like really big she had like the big cotton wig on and everything. She's really, really tiny, whatever. Um, and I really liked her music. And I just liked the individuality of her style, whatever, 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 right? But now we're going into an age where there's space for more of that. Um, not necessarily just the genre of like Nicki Minaj's kind of like, you know, alter ego, but just female rappers bringing their own style to the industry. And there's enough space for everybody. And I just think she's very, she seems to be a very bitter person that if it's not somebody underneath her, i.e. Ice Spice, like, oh, I'm kind of bringing you in, oh, you're new here. Let me bring you under me and give you a feature kind of power play. Then she's she's not interested. And it's interesting who she chooses to attack as well. Like, I just think that she's a very nasty person. If you just look at the way, who she chooses to interact with in that way and how she even treats people that are supposedly she's meant to be cool with. Cha, I just feel like, ugh, ugh. I get big ick vibes, just big ick vibes from her. Like, 
and you're a grown I woman as well. I get the most, the worst secondhand embarrassment. Listening oh, to can you imagine ever. like arguing with loads of twenty people um, in their twenties? Like, can you imagine oh. having time to do that? Dem, you're awfully quiet. I think Nicki Minaj is a pagan. <laughs> I think Nicki Minaj is a pagan. I think she needs to stop making music. I think she needs to get off the internet. And I think she needs to find something to do that matches with her higher self. She doesn't have a higher self, man. <laughs> There's no shadow, no shadow work whatsoever. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I came on here with the intention to cuss out her ass. But do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? I've turned over a new leaf in this Bible for 2024. I'm just going to say this. I haven't been a fan of Nicki Minaj for well over a decade. And I'm very tired of coming back onto the internet to do this. Oh my God, she's I mean, she's so embarrassing. She keeps on doing... Listen, Nicki Minaj married a man who was on the sex offenders register. Second, she is a colorist because what went down with that one yeah, yeah, little mixed girl... And then she came on the internet to support her saying, oh, it's oh, it's not cultural appropriation. It isn't blackface, blah, blah, blah. She's a colorist. And now we're doing this again, this whole Bigfoot thing. And I'm just like, when will you guys learn? Listen, I'm not a barb. I'm not part of the Navy. I'm not a beehive. Like, I'm not a cult member, okay? But even her cult fans are now saying she's crazy. And there's another thing, the fact that she knows that her fans go in on people and are abusive to people. And she's been on interviews saying, well, my fans are going to get you. Like, even Beyonce had to come on the internet to say, guys, I know you love me, but the abuse is, like, calm down. Even Rihanna has said the same thing. Lady Gaga has said the same thing to their fans. But Nikki, because her fans are inside her bumhole, sniffing the feces she'll just let them do whatever and i'm just like guys get off this Nicki minaj train you should have been off the train years ago she's not the queen of rap you can't be the queen of rap when there's no one in your kingdom do you know what i mean yeah and it goes and it also and it's also deeper than Nicki minaj as well the reason why she has this this kind of only child syndrome is because she was brought in, not brought into this industry like a plant, but she's always worked around men. Men have lifted her up. Men have written a lot of her songs. She's just always been surrounded by men. And then she came into the industry at a time where female rap was just like, it was going down. There was no one there. Perfect time to make your entry. Perfect time to, you know, cut off your ties with Little Kim, which is why Little Kim just went off perfect time to just claim your stake to fame your claim as queen of rap when no one is actually there and then you're surrounded by men who tell you you're the best you're the best you're the bomb you're the bomb don't listen to haters and then when other women come in men pit you against other women so that all this thing with cardi b is all set up by men she doesn't know one black woman in the game the only woman that i've seen her with is ice spice and that's because she adopted her right it's just like this whole th- this is why i say nikki's a pagan like 
an absolutely wasted career. And now look at you shouting, shouting, shouting on your on your dead Apple Queen radio. And the Queen album came out, and you were chatting bare shit on that on that album. Now all you're known for is chatting shit on the internet. Now even your cult your cult barbs are now telling you that you have severe issues. Do you know what I agree? I agree with you, but I also think to an extent because as much as yeah, like she was surrounded by men, because so so was Kim, right? But Nikki's just a piece of shit. Like she's just a piece. Like yet all of that is true, but you've got other female rappers who too were ju- were around around men, right? But there was no beef between the women. That's the thing. Little Kim was surrounded by men, but she mm-hmm. was also surrounded by women as well. Nicki Minaj has not been surrounded by any women. She's just been surrounded by men, and these men, and that's why men are getting her to beef with people. I don't even. I don't even feel like she's been people. The men are getting her to beef with people. I think it's, it's her. In the beginning of her career, when she had to work, work like a normal artist, because you have to realize she came up with Young Money, all men. Hmm. She, she was in. A, she was in a group before then that was predominantly guys as well. With Safari, like she's just been surround. She's been surrounded by wet men. But when you look at the women in rap before her. They were also they all had women around them. They had women from R and B around them. Women from R and B with Little Kim. Women from R and B and all of the hip hop female hip hop artists. Because I just don't want it to, the, I I just don't want it to seem as if like the part that I'm I don't hundred percent agree with is hundred percent blaming it on men. Oh because, no, I'm not blaming it on men. Yeah, because you I'm know me, saying, I'm not wanted. I don't. I don't. No, no. no. There's Nicki Minaj, and then there's the influence. But I don't think Nicki Minaj would be this much of a disgusting specimen of a human being if it wasn't for the support of the black men around her as well. No, I, I, just, I, I, just think, I think that she uses them to... Um, because she because she likes being the only one. She, yeah, because she the, likes being the, the only difference between one of having like a backup entourage of like hitters kind of vibe but i don't because there's a there's a there's a difference between because in order to get validation yeah like you at some you still needed a validation from men Mm. even when when kim was coming up when all of these like female rappers they needed to be validated by men in order to to be successful that's just what it is Mm. and but there's a difference between using that validation to now maybe like elevate other women right to bring them in whereas i think Nikki actually quite likes being the only one. She wanted to be the only one. Like we, and the thing is, we don't even need to. We don't even need to look at it as like far up as these massive celebrities. Look up in the corporate world. We see it as well. You see successful black people who will lift up the ladder right up behind them, close the door, and are quite happy to be the only one sat at the table. Mm, yeah, personally. I hate, I don't like being the only black woman in a space. I want to see other black women around me. Do you know what I mean? But then, Mm. unfortunately, there are some black people who quite like being the only one. All of these firsts that we all like to celebrate is bullshit, right? And then they really hold on to this first, like a badge of honour. And yeah, fine, have your accolades, right? No one's taking that away from you. But Nikki became Nikki because of all the women before her, right? They opened up doors so that she could walk through them. And you're supposed to keep that door open. Whereas Nikki closed it. 
Well, right? she was beefing mm. Foxy and Lil Kim at one point. Of course she was. Of course she was. Like <laughs> Megan is not. Megan isn't the first female rapper that she's gone toe to toe with. The only reason why she relaxes with Remy is because Remy shoots, right? Yeah, but, <laughs> so she knows who to pick and choose. Do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like I, I think that she used that validation that she got from men because yes, yeah, she is very talented. I'm not taking that away from her. I don't think she is, but go on. I think she's very. I think she's very entertaining as well. I like, don't think she is, but go on. You don't think she? I mean, she definitely isn't now. When she first came out, I found her really talented. I found her really entertaining. And there was something different about her that I think a lot of people connected to. There was like Mm. a freedom in her expression that I think a lot of us connected to. And for whatever reason, um, it wasn't enough for her to have the success, right? It wasn't enough for people to give you your flowers and all the rest of it. And like we all, me and Dems just said, like, it's very easy to be the queen of rap when there's no one to challenge you. And then she's now, not the queen rap anyway. Full stop. I don't. I don't believe she is. Technically, in the US, they didn't like. They didn't really like her when she went mainstream because of all the extra stuff that she was doing. Mm. But then in the US, they were like, "Can you just rap?" But I think. <laughs> but I think outside of the US, we really connected with her. That Pink mm-hmm. Friday album, all the extraness and all of the. She was like the queen of features. I'll give her that. She was the queen of features at one point. Mm. Um. But in the US, they didn't really connect with her until Superbase. And then when Superbase came on, they were like, oh, she's gone mainstream. And then that's when everyone, that's when she was like a global success. And then it was just after that, that the US kind of like connected with her. But yes, that's that's that first entry into like stardom. Yeah, I'll give her that because that era was a bop. Like that Pink Friday album was a bop. Oh, honestly, like... I, I I agree with you. I don't personally feel... She isn't my queen of rap. Like, I don't think she is. But in terms of, like, she was a huge deal. She At one yeah, point, yeah. she was considered by many to be the queen of rap because yeah. she was the only one. So, and, and, to, and to feel quite comfortable holding that spot for so long, to me... Um, that is kind of when I started to start, I started to disengage and disconnect from her because I felt uncomfortable with someone who was comfortable being the only one. Do you know what I mean? Like we see it all the time in our own workplaces where people of influence, they don't use that influence for good. Rather they, they are quite happy being the only one. They sabotage other people. Um, And I think we already know how difficult it is for, for women in that industry. And, for you to not use your influence instead you actually use it to tear others down you bully people again megan isn't the first one there are many she was fighting with kim at one point there's cardi b there's foxy brown there's all of these different women that she has a problem with last yeah there's all of these women that she's had a problem with but um, they're all the problem not nikki like really exactly and nikki's in her 40s and that's even before we even get onto the fact that she's married to a rapist right so there's all of these different things. She's married to a rapist. Her brother is a rapist. She paid for his legal fees. Yeah. Um, so she's a nasty, she nasty individual. She victim. Huh? Or something. Yes, she tried yeah. to bribe they the were harassing, They were harassing. Yeah, they were harassing her husband's victim. Yes. She this tried- is your queen. This is your queen. She, uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to say anything because I, you've said it all. Yeah. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather black women cuss out black women. Sorry. Yeah, I. <laughs> the thing is, I I think it's just I think it's really sad for because no, no matter what anyone thinks of her, 
um, there was a huge legacy at one point that she had built for herself. That um, she has destroyed. Yeah, which she has single-handedly destroyed, right? And to be honest, that's fine because she's a horrible person. Um, she doesn't strike me as, she doesn't deserve, um, she doesn't deserve flowers. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't believe that somebody with such a dark spirit, such a dark heart, mm. deserves Deserve flowers. Yeah, That's why she has flowers. to, guys, she was, she listed, you know, like if you have Twitter blue, you have like extended characters. She went and listed, like, it was like, I didn't read it all, obviously. She just, it was the longest tweet I've ever seen in my entire life listing all of her accolades all of the statistics all the plaques all this all that do you know how sad it is that people don't rate you that you, all you can do is constantly reel off your work that is not even relevant to the said argument every time because you're just such a horrible person that no one cares about what you've done anymore that is what she's done to herself sad yeah this is true and then like to release this bigfoot song which i think is going to come out tomorrow apparently oh god it's just it's anti-black it's it's just vile it's just vile to see a woman be so horrible to another woman like a black woman being so horrible to another black woman bringing up her dead parents yeah and in public as well yeah not just that she's now releasing images of her looking like a monkey gorilla these are all like very she did what there are images, um, so people, so I guess her barbs or whatever are um, tweeting images of like monkeys, apes, baboons, stuff like that, you know, in reference to Megan. And she's liking these things. Um, and th- yeah, that's what t- speaks to your point about the colorism. And I think it's just really anti-black. It's really nasty. It's just vile. And, it, you know, the whole rap beef thing in 2024 is is tired anyway. Um like when you just consider right. like what's going on in the world and not even just that, but it's just dumb. Like we're not, it's not 1994. Do you know what I mean? Like rap beef right. is just dumb. Right. And when you're of a particular age as well, it's even dumber. Do you know what I mean? And then you've got Megan who yeah. is a young babe and she's minding her business. She was at a club the other night, dancing with Victoria Monet. Like she's doing her thing. Um, so yeah, she's about to release this dish track, Bigfoot or whatever, which again is talking about her being shot um, in the foot and I again I think that's disgu- like she's bullying now at this point a black woman was shot by someone and that person is now in prison serving a sentence for shooting her and you think it's funny like I just think this whole thing has escalated into something so much bigger than it than anyone could ever imagine and but again what do you expect from a woman who married a rapist like I don't think there's any low that she wouldn't she wouldn't reach she's a degenerate and I think that is that. So, yeah. yeah, guys, I really feel like celebrity culture is dying. It's just getting a bit like much. Please let it die. Let it die. I, let it die. Because I saw some comments, people were like, oh, well, this is why, you know, Beyonce doesn't speak to us. And I thought to myself, hmm, yeah, no, because Beyonce stayed silent when Israel used um, one of her songs as their theme Oh, song. don't kill me. And um, so please, no. Beyonce othered herself a long time ago, okay? Let's stop looking for Beyonce. Honestly, I could just I could just go on. I could just go on. Um, but before we go, I just want to say that I just saw a tweet that apparently People Magazine have confirmed that Nini Leaks and Portia Goabadia 
will be returning to Real Housewives. Shut the front door. Girl, you again, see? Um, do um, you see? Um, shut the front door. Not Phaedra, though. Yeah. No Phaedra. No, please. No, not no, not Phaedra. Phaedra needs oh, to stay no. where she okay, is. Because... Not Phaedra. No, do you know why I don't want Phaedra, yeah? No. Because she is on Married to Medicine, giving absolutely nothing. Is she? Yeah, she doesn't need to come back. Yeah, she's not giving. Well, is it, does she need to settle in a bit more? No, she gives nothing. Like, she's on the show giving theatrics. And, like, that isn't that isn't Married to Medicine vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, the whole coffin scene. And, like, we don't know anything about her life. We don't know anything about her boys. Like, it just doesn't fit Married to Medicine. And I don't even feel like it would even fit... Um, housewives now because I think we're all grown like we don't all the the theatrics and stuff like we actually want to see a bit more substance to you do you know what I mean so I'm not even here for Phaedra I'd only be here for Phaedra if there was any kind of reconciliation between her and Candy um or even just to address that do you know what I mean but if not I'm not I'm not really mm. interested mm. but so yeah so this was an article in People magazine where season 16 will will begin filming towards the end of Feb and Nini Leakes and Portia Goabadia will be returning so I, we haven't heard anything from Andy but this is People magazine so I don't know but let's just wait and see <laughs> look at me this is People magazine <laughs> <laughs> Oh my dear, we need to get off here. All right, before we go, we are going to do this week's highlight. So I am going to pass over to Tiff to give us this week's spotlight of the week. Um, so yeah, rightly so. We're giving this um, spotlight of the week to Megan the Stallion, Hot Girl. Hot Girl Productions, by the way, she's producing under her own label. So shout out to her. I know that she's been speaking about the transition of like being an independent artist and the struggles with that. Um, and me personally, I'd like to say as a creative, I've seen her go through some stages, uh, some changes, some stages, <laughs> some stages of change when it comes to her, you know, personally and career wise. And we would just like to acknowledge that Megan lost both of her parents um, on the way up and has arguably done a lot alone and then has been through a big scandal. She's been the victim of abuse and has still come out the other side trying to be a better, more well-rounded and healthy person. So shout out to you, Meg. She has um, a new single out, like we discussed. It came out last Friday. It's called Hiss. And Hiss is Megan's first solo single of 2024 and fittingly a follow-up to her November 2023 single, Cobra. Which I like Cobra, actually. I like the creative like feel around it. I like the video and the concept. The track Hiss was widely successful and climbed to number 10 on the Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop songs chart in, in continuation of snake-centric imagery. Yeah, Cobra did really, really well. Hiss is come out. And it, I think it, I saw in her stories before we recorded that it's at number one on Apple Music, I believe. So, yeah. <laughs> ah. What should you do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> I tried, guys, about the man. Not what you did. Oh yeah, my god, too. I love it. I love uh, it. I, I might, love I it. might, I might practice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Thanks for that, Tiff. Stream here. She is independent, so she needs all the streams. Um, so yeah, shout out to Meg. Yeah. Um, living her best life. So yeah, 
we really did go around the houses today, but you know, you can't say that we don't give you variety, right? We are very diverse. We are very variety. diverse over here. So yeah, we gave you a bit of everything today. But in all seriousness, though, um, before we go, I just want to give you a little bit more information about the national march that is coming up. So by the time this episode um, comes out, um, the national march will be on Saturday, the 3rd of February, and the assembly point has been announced. It will be at BBC Portland Place um, at 12 noon. So if you haven't already um, been to a march, um, please if you're free, please do come along. And if you've already been to a few, please come along. We've been to a few now. Um, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that we have made um, sort of like a pledge between us that we would always make the efforts for at least one of us to be in attendance um, to represent Black Canvas. So we need as many of us to be out on the street protesting for Palestine. So yeah, national demonstration, Saturday the 3rd of Feb, and for more information, please follow Palestine Solidarity UK, who organise all of these marches. They're doing fantastic work. So shout out to all you guys over there. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that we had a lot to get through today, but thank you for making it to the end. Make sure you're following us on all of our socials. We are Black Canvas TV. And yeah, until another episode next week. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know that no Dems when Dems is, is edit it's going to be, gonna be a, it's going to be a wonderful week and on that <laughs> note everyone ah. bye bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>